I want to reiterate what Andrew said. Thank you for giving. This weekend has been amazing for our students, and, and, uh, and I'm thankful for a student ministry that invests in the next generation. And um, so I'm, I'm pumped at what God did this weekend. You know, Andrew, uh, see those cool hats? See those hats? Those are cool. Um, I, one showed up on my desk. This is what I love about being a church. We just are speaking life to one another, right? Um, so the next morning I walked in, the Friday morning I come in and I had it on. And they were like, you can't wear that. Um, it, it, Andrew showed me how to wear it with the thing on the top. He, and, and Andrew, Maggie, and Brad Ayler was like, that's not your lane. Get out of your, that's not your lane. You can't wear that. So I appreciate the life that they spoke into me. Uh, I've got a hat though, but it's just, I'm going to have to give it away to somebody. But, um, but I'll tell you what, I loved seeing what God did this weekend. And, and I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you a Christian? I mean, that, that's an important question because there's a lot of people that think they're a Christian and they're not. Um, but that's something I want you to settle in your heart. I want you to have settled in your life. Um, you know, this weekend I was gone. I was in Oklahoma City um, speaking at a, at a South Oklahoma City youth event like what we had here and uh, with about 10 churches. And, um, and I took this, this with me. And um, this, this right here is a, an important um, story of our church. Um, many of you may not know Spencer Richmond, but he... Uh, grew up here, same age as my daughter Emily, and and um, and we walked this road. Um, and and it's interesting as we we think about how this is a great story in our church. How the gospel is is communicated. We're in the Gospel of John, and one of the things we're doing is we're moving into that part of the gospel where you see the advance of the kingdom. You see people coming to be Christians, coming to faith in Christ. And, and, you know, it's interesting as you think about the transmission of the gospel, that, that, that one of the things you see as the, as the kingdom of God advances, that, that the spirit of God is at work before we even realize it. it it's, work, it's a work in advance. And, and, you know, one of the things that you see every time the gospel moves forward is that there's a confrontation of sin, that, that, that there's this this moment where, where God confronts somebody with their need of Jesus, their need of, of a Savior. And then you see a person that shows up to be a witness, to be a verbal witness to say, I'm in front of you and I got skin on and I'm going to be a witness to you. You see this over and over again in the scriptures. And that's God's plan. God's plan is to communicate the gospel one at a time, one voice at a time. And, and you know, Spencer Richmond grew up here in our church. And, and just like we had an event this weekend that we've invested in, uh, Spencer went to camp when he was 14. And, and as he goes to camp, he was invited to camp by Harrison Mosby. Harrison invited him to camp because Spencer was Harrison's best friend. And, and, and as they're at camp... It was Spencer walked up to Harrison and said, man, I, I think I need to be saved. I think I need to come to Jesus. And Harrison said, well, let's go talk to Joe. 
because Joe was the youth minister at that time, and, and, and Spencer said, no, you talk to me. And Harrison was like, okay. And Harrison led Spencer to Christ one-on-one, -on -one, one at a time. Now, now, what we didn't know at that middle school camp, we didn't know how high the stakes were. We didn't realize that. We didn't know that just a couple of years later, as the, 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 on his 16th birthday, Spencer got his license and he had a car accident right over on the service road, down the, right by Quick Trip on the service road. And, and, and then a year, about a year later, he died of that, a year and a half later, he died of that accident. <clears throat> we didn't know how high the stakes were. I took this this weekend um, to talk to these students that I was speaking at, and I talked about how, I asked this question, are you a Christian? Because the stakes are high. Whether you realize it or not, the stakes are high. The, the, the reason that the gospel needs to be shared, the reason we need to pay attention to what God says in his word, that, that look, the stakes are high with the gospel message. There's a lot of people that... There aren't Christians around us that need to be a Christian. What's a Christian? It's a person that has the Spirit of God inside of them. The gospel, we're going to look over and over again as we trek through the Gospel of John how people start to follow Jesus. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 35 today. Let's stand and let's look at this first Christian, that come, this per, first person that really comes to see Jesus. And uh, verse 35, chapter 1, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and, and stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, 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 now let's think about what John, John, now you see John. This is not the apostle John. You see in verse 35, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. And, and we understand John's message. We understand the importance of John's message. Look back at verse 29. Keep your Bibles open in John chapter 1. And notice verse 29. It was John the Baptist that said, Look, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the Lamb of God. And, and you know, no, notice verse 35. Uh, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, 
And he looked at Jesus as he walked by. Look at verse 36. Again, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Let's notice this. Now, now, in one sentence, we have the essence of the Christian message. We have the essence of what it means to be a Christian. There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, it's difficult for us to understand what, Je- what Andrew and what John the Apostle were feeling when John the Baptist said this. Now, it's difficult for us because we don't have the background that they have. Now, now for a Jew, and, and this is why it's important for you to know your Bible, and this is why it's important for us to understand what God's Word says and do the work of, of really looking into the Scriptures and paying attention and growing in our understanding of God's Word. And, and it says the Jew would have been stopped in their tracks with John the Baptist's statement. They would have been like, What? What? Because immediately when when they heard John the Baptist say, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that would mean a whole lot to them. Their mind might have immediately gone to Genesis 22, verse 7 and 8. And and I'll remind you of what that says. In Genesis 22, that's when Abraham was on his way with Isaac to take his son up the mountain because Abraham, he was told to sacrifice his son. And in verse 7 and 8, Genesis 22 says, uh, Abraham says, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You know, a Jew would have understood the importance of the lamb. They would have may have thought about Isaiah 53 the famous passage that every Jew would have been aware of. In Isaiah 53, 6 and 7, it says this, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And, and the Jews would have thought of these things. And when John the Baptist says, there he is. There's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Now, one of the things I think it's important to understand if you become a Christian. To become a Christian means to understand some very important truths about your life, that you're a sinner and you're in need of a savior. A person can't come become a Christian without the recognition of their sinfulness. And it's interesting as, as we navigate the cultural pressures of 2024, as even you look at a lot of churches that are trying to soften the, 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 the confrontation of sin, trying to communicate maybe the, the, this idea that Jesus just wants your life to be better. And, and, and you know what? Every time you see an encounter with the Lord, there's a confrontation of sin. There's a recognition of sin. And, and because sin is our greatest problem. And, and sin is, 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 is devastating. It's, and, it, and we have a tendency to go, you know what, our sin's not that big a deal. Your sin's a big deal. My sin's a big deal. 
such a big deal that from the very beginning, um, when Adam sinned, what happened? Blood was shed as these animals were killed and, and clothes were covering their nakedness of Adam and Eve. You, you see, from the very beginning of the children of Israel, they were the priest nation that started as a family that is, that is a message to the world that forgiveness is needed. And from the very beginning, you see the journey of God's people. A lamb was slain to cover their sin and to rescue them. And over and over again, you see sin being dealt with harshly. And you know, it's, 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 it, 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 there's a temptation for us to soften the, the graphic nature of sin. The atonement, that's a theological word that says you need to be covered by the blood of Christ. His blood was shed for you. And it's bloody, it's graphic, it's uncomfortable, but it's true. And that's why we can't soften it. It's, it's interesting, there's this old law that you see from the very beginning that it's this requirement that without the shedding of blood, sin is, is not forgiven. And, and it's, sin is deadlier than we think. It's a bigger problem than we realize and that we want to believe. And it's, and it's difficult for us to come to grips with the fact that sin required a blood sacrifice. But we got to face it. It reminds me of that old hymn. There was an old hymn that uh, a guy that wrote it, um, William Cowper. You probably don't know, his, know him. But he wrote this old hymn, and, one, and, and you'll, you might recognize it if you've been in church a while. It, he articulates, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And this is shocking. And, 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 and Satan's been lying to the world from the beginning saying sin is no big deal. And what we have to come to grips with is that sin is a big deal. It's such a big deal that God came in the flesh to confront us about our sin. And, and when Jesus came, it, he washed our sins away. That's why this moment is so remarkable. When John the Baptist says, look, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Look at verse 38. And Jesus saw that they were following him. And it's interesting as you notice this that, that, that John the Baptist, Andrew, and John the Apostle, the writer of this gospel, were following John the Baptist. And right when John the Baptist said this, they immediately left John the Baptist and started following Jesus. And John wasn't frustrated with this because John was, was, was focused on saying, look, I don't want the attention to be on me. I want it to be on Jesus. John 3.30, we'll get to it. He must increase, John said. I must decrease. Phenomenal character of John the Baptist. He wanted his life to point to Jesus, which is such an important characteristic for us to learn from. But 
But notice what happened in verse 38. Jesus saw them. What are you seeking, he says. Look at verse 38. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. And I want you to notice something. This is very cool. This is pretty cool. They were seeking Jesus. They, They were like look, you're, you're the Messiah. We're going to follow you. They're seeking after him. Now, you see the principle. God was at work before they even thought about it, which happens every time someone comes to Jesus. But then they started seeking Jesus. And, and you know what that led to? Their seeking of Jesus led to the experience of forgiveness. It ultimately led to that. And, and, and you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of this incredible truth. It's incredible revelation that Jesus talked about in, in Matthew 7, that in, in verse 7 and 8. It says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And it points to the fact that anybody that comes to Jesus, he says, come and stay with me. It's beautiful. It's interesting. It's encouraging. Because I want you to know this is the truth of of all humanity. Whoever comes to him won't be turned away. And and you know, it's, it's interesting as you trace their lives. Now, we see the rest of the story of Andrew and of John the apostle, and of even Peter, Cephas, who we see about, that they, 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 they experienced forgiveness. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is one who, who doesn't just have this set of, of facts in their head, but has the experience of their sins being forgiven, of the Holy Spirit indwelling and here's what this looks like. We've been talking about it on Wednesday nights. I want to just give you a picture of this. And it looks like this. Is this your experience? You know, you're a sinner. Look at sin at the top there. We're, we're, you're a sinner. And, and you're, you need a Savior. And, and we, we understand this, that, that, that look, sin, what does it do? It leads to brokenness. Your life is broken. See that arrow on that heart? Your, your life is broken. And, and, and you can't fix it, and we try to fix it. The world tries to fix it by, by maybe relationships. People seek, oh, maybe it's in my, this girl or this guy or this, uh, this relationship with the, uh, the world or I'm popular or I'm famous or whatever. But these things don't satisfy. We come to see this. Maybe it's, maybe it's in riches, and we see this all the time. I mean, I mean, people that think, oh, if I just had this amount of money, I'll be, I'll be happy, I'll be content. I'll be fulfilled, but that doesn't work either. And, and we know this. Some of the um, people that are wealthy, they're not satisfied. Even when we have had a bonus or, a, or a, you know, maybe we've been blessed financially, we know that our, that doesn't work. Sometimes people run after all kinds of, you know, pleasures or or achievements, and they run to all kinds of different ways. But, but see, nothing in this world works. People even pursue religion. And they, they think, oh, man, if I can be religious, and you've got to understand, 
being a Christian, Christianity, according to the scripture, is not a religion. Yeah, I know people articulate it in school as this is one of the world's major religions, but, but when you really understand what the Bible teaches, the Bible speaks that being a Christian describes a relationship that you have. Jesus said this, John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And, and this is the, the relationship that God gives. And, and how does that relationship begin? Well, the Bible is clear. It's this, this when, once you see the cross, once you see Jesus, you recognize, oh my goodness, Jesus took my place. I repent of my sin. I believe in him. And that's what belief is. It's, it moves you to an action of repentance. And, and there's this turning away from yourself and your sin and turning to the Lord. And, and what does that blood do? The blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin. And that, the writer of that hymn is right when he says, and sinners plunged beneath the flood, they lose all their guilty stains. And, and, and then what happens is you become blameless and the Holy Spirit moves into your life and he restores you and he strengthens you and he walks with you and he confronts you and he fixes you and he, and he convicts you and he moves you and he restores you. And, and I want you to, it's fascinating, are, are you a Christian? Have you come to this faith in Christ? Have, is that your story? Look at, look at Andrew's example. Look at verse 40. Um, now, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Look what he did, did in verse 41. First, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we've found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means rock. And, and Andrew is interesting. He and John the apostle, the writer of this gospel, were the first to follow Jesus. And, and Andrew's interesting because um, after his eyes were opened to who Jesus really was, he's the Messiah, he, he goes and finds his brother. He says, come on, man, you got to you got to meet Jesus. We found the Messiah. And what's interesting about Andrew, every time Andrew is referenced in the scripture, he's bringing someone to Jesus. We don't hear any of his sermons. He likely preached sermons, but we don't know of any sermons Andrew preached. But, but every time he's recorded in scripture, he brings someone to Jesus. We're going to see this as the gospel goes, uh, the gospel of John goes. In, in John ch chapter 6, he brings the kid with the loaves and fishes. And, and it was Andrew that brought him to Jesus. He, he brings the Greeks in John 12 who wanted to see Jesus. And, and, and he's the greatest example of, uh, that we have in Scripture of this one-on-one -on -one responsibility of bringing someone to Jesus. And that's from the very beginning. God opens the door that this is how it's to be. It's, it's how it's to be. And, and I think it's important to embrace this important truth in Scripture that Jesus came 
to be your lamb. He takes away your sin. And this transforms us. You know, Spencer's story is so very significant to me. Because Harrison witnessed to him. And and you know, when I think about what the story of our church right now, what we're walking through this week, if you didn't know, a week ago uh, at midnight, um, right before midnight on Sunday night, Harrison went to heaven. And, and you know what's, what's, what's amazing about his story is, is our entire state is thinking about Jesus. Like so many people, it's countless, the numbers of people that are thinking about Jesus because they heard Harrison's story. It's fascinating. Like I was in Oklahoma City this weekend. And, and I, took, I talked about Harrison, I talked about Spencer, and I challenged these kids through the Sermon on the Mount. But, but I, had, I had like 10 different people come up to me and go, I've been following this. You're his pastor? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I've been following this. And, and I've been, I heard over and over again of the web of connections from all over the country from these people that I'm like, I, I never met before. And what's, what's fascinating about Harrison is, is, and I'm so thankful I got to rub shoulders with him, and I'm th- so thankful he's, God's used him in our church to help us see this important lesson that you, he, his life turns the attention to Jesus. It's like John the Baptist. John the Baptist turned his attention to Jesus. Hey, don't look at me, look at Jesus. And, and you look at how Jesus transforms lives. And, and what an example of a young man that we got to see who you can't talk about his life without talking about Jesus. And folks, I pray that becomes the story for all of us. That when they talk about you, they talk about Jesus. There can't be a greater um, life to live than that. Now, I'm, I'm prayerful about this week, and I'd like to ask you to pray for us this week because we have, a, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to stand and point the world to the Savior that, that changed him. Mallory said to me this week as we were planning the service, she looked at me and this bold, young, red-headed young lady said, you, you share the gospel and you give an invitation. I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And, and you know, for us, it's, it's, it's almost like we're, we're so inspired. We're like, man, what an amazing testimony that he had. What a unique story that Harrison had and Spencer had, and, and, and truly it is a unique story. But I want you, there's something I want you to not miss about your life. Do you know that you have a unique story too? If you're a Christian, 
If, if when I ask that question, I say, are you a Christian? You say, yeah. Jesus changed me. You know what that means? You have a unique story. God has given you a unique story. You know how I know this? Because Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were marked with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And I want you to know something very important about your life, that if you've come to Jesus, that's a unique story. See, the, the, the call of God is to come to us one at a time. You were born again. And that's a story worth telling. That's your story. And, and though we look at a Harrison and a Spencer and we go, Wow, what an amazing story. And it is true. And we praise the Lord for the hope that we have. But, but don't be mistaken that your story is not just as miraculous. Because Jesus forgave your sin. And I want you to, um, I want to challenge us. Let's just like, like, like John the Apostle. Like, like Andrew. Like Peter that are in this story. They had to get ready to share their story. As their story came about, their experience with the Lord was significant. And it's important to recognize that the salvation call, the, the salvation revelation turns into a, an, an experience that you have of forgiveness. What was your life like before you met Christ? That makes it... that. that that tells a story. How did you come to know Christ? That's an incredible story. How you, it's your story. And, and you know, when it comes to these players in this story, and, and Andrew and, and, and John the Apostle, we know more about John the Apostle and Peter than we really do about fully Andrew's story, but, but, but you still see this process going on that God was at work before any of them came to Christ and, and, and then they were confronted with the reality of their sin and then you see the Holy Spirit following up with a physical witness. This was true about like God's Spirit was working. John the Baptist was a witness going, hey, look at Jesus. Then Andrew was a witness to Peter, look at Jesus. And this is how the story of God continues. It always follows up with a physical witness. And I want you to know your story is unique and your witness is unique. So I want to challenge you to get ready to share your story. You ought to get ready to communicate your story. Because what is your story? Your testimony is simply sharing what you have seen, heard, and experienced walking with the Lord. And you know what, we're, that, that's, a, that's a beautiful gift, and I want you to recognize this. Now, now, when you think about this challenge to get ready to share your story, I think Peter's example is important for us. And I want you to, I think it would be valuable for all of us to follow Peter's example here from what we know about Peter. And let's just consider Peter's story Right there, Jesus says from the very beginning, you're Peter. You're going to be Cephas, and, all, and you're going to be a rock. Now, we know his story. 
We understand, Peter, we, we know the, from what the Gospels say that Peter was, the, um, was this um, um, leader of the disciples, even though Andrew was the one that started, that brought Peter to Jesus. Peter became the leader, and he was outspoken, he was bold, and all these things, but we know his story. Remember the cross. Remember the arrest of Jesus. Peter so boldly gets up and pulls his sword out, cuts off Malchus's ear and ready to fight everybody to defend Jesus. But remember, Jesus said, Peter, put your sword up. And then, and then Peter ran, ran. And that very night, you know, what, you know what happened. I mean, this bold Peter that is supposed to be a rock, a little girl says, hey, you were one of them. No, I wasn't. I, I wasn't with you. I don't even know him. And the scripture says that the rooster crowed and Peter went and wept bitterly because he failed. Can you imagine Peter in that moment when the disciples were gathered in that upper room and, and Jesus appeared before him? The resurrected Jesus appeared before him. Now, I'd fully expect Jesus to go, Peter, you bailed on me. Why did you do that? But Jesus didn't do that. He, he showed them mercy and grace. And it was so merciful and so gracious that it transformed his life. Peter went from a knowledge about the Messiah to experience forgi experiencing forgiveness. And it changed his life. No wonder he wrote 1 Peter 1. Remember what he wrote? 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Peter was so transformed by the mercy of God. And that mercy, when it hit his heart, it changed him. And I want you to understand the value of your forgiveness, that when God's mercy hits your heart, it's significant. You know what Peter did? The, the reason I think it's important to follow his example, now none of us are probably going to write something that's going to uh, continue on through eternity, but I want to challenge you to you ought to take the time, do the work to write down, put the pen what God has done in your life. Peter did that. I want you to hear it. He did that in 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm not going to break it down. I just want you to hear it. And I want you to think about how he wrote down his story. The impact of his story. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it's going to be on the screen. But it says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us a very great He's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate 
in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And man, when you see what he wrote down, there's so much there about how Peter said, Jesus changed my life. And you know what? If you really start thinking about it, which you're supposed to start thinking about it, you're supposed, you're supposed to like process, how did Jesus save you? And if you start putting it to paper, writing it down, you'll even start to go, wow, my story's pretty cool. And, and you know, when you think about you getting excited about your story, you'll start to share it more. You'll start to follow this. You'll start to notice, wait, God's at work before I even think about it. And oh, man, hey, I've been chained. My sin's been forgiven. And then you'll be, you'll notice those moments. We're like, hey, I'm a witness. I'm going to step up and continue this calling over and over again, a gospel proclamation to people we know, to people we meet, to people God puts us around. And, and, and you know, here, here's the thing. Here's what we're, we get to do this week. We got to watch Harrison walk with Jesus. And this week, there's going to be Wednesday. I don't even know how this is going to happen. There's going to be 17 fire trucks in our parking lot Wednesday morning. I'm not sure where they're going to go, but Matt and Lucinda are really smart, so they're going to figure it out. But here's the thing. Peter talked about Jesus gave me great mercy. Jesus worked in my life, and, and he dropped something here at the end of verse 11, where he says, you know, as you share your gospel, as you walk with the Lord, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what I'm grateful for? Folks, there is an eternal kingdom. And Joe talked about, Joe, come on up. Joe, Joe articulated that it's, it's been heavy. Not, and my heart's heavy. But let me tell you something. The more I wrestle with even my sadness, I keep coming to grips that there's an eternal kingdom. That this world's not our home. And I'm so glad I got to, our church, we got to witness Spencer coming to Christ as a 14-year-old. And when he went to heaven, that was tough. His parents were sitting right here today. Um, they knew I was going to do that. They gave that to me. Um, and um, there's an eternal kingdom. Hey, Shelby was sitting right over there where Stephanie is today. That's, that's Harrison's mom. You know what she said to me? She goes, you know, the first Sunday after Harrison was born, I brought him to church. I had to be here today because this is his first Sunday in heaven. And I wasn't going to miss today. Let me tell you something. There's an eternal kingdom. Mm. There's an eternal kingdom. And because of that, this week, we're going to boldly stand and talk about the promises of God. Talk about this amazing gift of forgiveness. And trust the Lord. This world's not our home. We know that. Are you a Christian? Oh my goodness. Don't go one more day without having this real hope. This real hope. So here's what I need us to do today. Because you, I think every time God's word is preached, I can't just sit there on it, right? I, I don't just sit still. And if I sit still after, after I engage what God has said, there's something really wrong with that. And so we need to pray today. I need you to pray for our church, for us as we share the gospel, for, for um, just these, this calling we have as a church to share the gospel with the entire state of Oklahoma. And uh, we're going to do, we need to do that well. We need to do that boldly. We need to do that clearly. So I need us to pray for our church, for us, for me, for Joe, for the Mosby's, for the birds, for our firemen that, are, need, that need Jesus, people that are, that are paying attention. 
let's pray for God's spirit to work in front of us. And I know he already is. And um, maybe you're here today and you need Christ. Oh, man, don't walk out of this door without knowing Jesus. We have a prayer team. I want you to go around the room. Would you do that? I want our prayer team to go right now. Let's go stand around the room. And, um, and so maybe you need somebody to pray with you. There's people at the back, at the sides. And if you need Christ in your life, man, come to him. Come to him. Hey, Darby, y'all come over here. Yes, sir. Y'all do it. Thank you. Over on that side. Thank you. There's men and women up here. And, um, but here's what we're going to do. If, if you need to pray with somebody, go to one of them. Maybe you need to just come and get on your knees and pray. You, you don't have to come down front. Maybe you need to just pray at your seat, and that would be okay too. But um, respond to the Lord today. Joe's going to sing, and I'm just going to ask you to bow your head where you are. And when you're ready to stand and join him in singing, then um, um, stand. And let's, we'll, we'll end singing together. But let's engage the Lord right now. Would you bow your head? Lord, lead us, we pray. Amen.